The scripture this morning comes from the New Testament, uh, the book of John, and uh, chapter 1, verses 26 through 34. John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the chosen one, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. So we hear that word from John that's reflecting on who Jesus is as the chosen one and on his baptism. I invite you to perhaps listen to the water moving in our font this morning and join me in prayer. Let us pray. God, as we come now to reflect upon Jesus, Jesus entering the waters of baptism, we're reminded of how you cleanse us all and how you are in the process always of making all things new. As the light of Christmas, Lord, continues to shine brightly in our hearts as we've left our celebrations, we ask that you would help our, our hearts, our minds, our whole lives be open to the potential of that light carrying us forward. Into this new year, into ways of living deeply and faithfully with you, remind us this morning, Lord, that we are beloved by you and that you have a great plan for each of us and for us to gather as a community of faith and faithfulness in this place. Guide us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray this prayer and we come into your presence of the Holy Word, in the name of the Word, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have you ever wished that you were at a particular scene, a particular moment in time, in scripture. You placed yourself, there's so many fantastic moments, Old Testament, New Testament, think about them. Maybe the moment of creation when God spoke and, and things just happened. Maybe Moses imparting the Red Sea. We've just come through a, a scene of remembering and standing and awe and imagination and wonder of, of thinking what it was like when Jesus was born, right? the holiness of that birth, of how something that was seemed so just regular and standard became a miracle that drew angels and shepherds and wise men alike. To, today I'm wearing my epiphany stole because it's, it's the Sunday of the epiphany and it's also baptism of the Lord. 
It's a Sunday where we are reminded of how the wise men, the magi from afar, it became known to them. They had that epiphany moment that Jesus was Lord and that they would follow his way. And today also, we remember Jesus' baptism. So of those moments in scripture, Jesus' baptism is one of those places where I would have loved to have been. I invite you this morning to think about that data, to begin to to visualize what was happening as God's plan was unfolding, this plan that, that God, through the ages and the prophets, had spoke about that Jesus shows up on the banks of the River Jordan. John has been empowered, as you know, John the Baptist by God's Spirit. He's been ministering and he's been calling people to repentance. And they've been responding because the people are are desperate for truth and they're desperate for freedom and and they're coming and John is baptizing and John is saying, there's going to be one who comes after me that I'm not worthy to tie his shoes. And he's coming after me, but he's going to be greater than I. He's going to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, John says. And then Jesus on the scene and the gospel writers, John recounts, as John is recalling what happened on the day of Jesus' baptism, think about it, the skies rip open. There's a spirit that is ripe among people. The skies rip open. And Matthew's gospel and the other gospel writers, they recount that you can hear the voice of God saying, as Jesus is baptized, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And John says, as Alan read for us, John says that the spirit like a dove, this is an artist's rendition, but the spirit like a dove landed on him, filled with the spirit as as God's voice was speaking. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how John the Baptist took all this in? You know from the other gospel accounts that there's an exchange that happens between John and Jesus. John doesn't want to baptize Jesus. He doesn't think he's worthy. Jesus says, no, to fulfill the scriptures, the prophecy, this must happen. Then God's voice being heard and the spirit descending artists and and filmmakers alike across the ages that try to capture that moment. But man, I would have loved to be there. I'd love to be there to see, to witness this moment. Today, we are revisiting the story, recalling Jesus' baptism as the gospel writers, John and others, speak of how the ministry of Jesus in the Christian year, I mentioned that it's Epiphany Sunday and it's Baptism of the Lord Sunday, along with many others in the Christian faith today, we recall Jesus' baptism as a way of starting the year because it's a place where we believe that Jesus was empowered for his ministry. His ministry began, if you will, on the day of his baptism. And so as we remember Jesus' baptism, we're going to call you to remember your baptism to think about your baptism deeply today. Each of us who have been baptized in the room and our community online, whether you were baptized as a baby and you've been told of your baptism or a young child, or whether you were a confirmand. I was with our confirmation class yesterday as they kicked off their confirmation journey for this year and they're, they're full of excitement and expectation about what confirmation means. It was great to be in the presence of that community yesterday. Many of us were were baptized at a later day. 
our baptism, you're seeing some pictures, it took place in different ways. Some of you baptized in rivers, perhaps at a, a retreat when you were a youth. Maybe that, that baby that, that comes to the baptismal font that the parents or the pastor holds. I was dunked as a Methodist. I'm a dunked Methodist. I was dunked in a, in a, in a tank as a Methodist, as a child. All of us, regardless, some of us kneel and are poured over in tradition. All of us, different ways, different modes of the church with water and the spirit. We are all united in the font, in the waters, through the baptism of Jesus. Jesus entering into the river of Jordan and then Jesus calling us later in his ministry to baptize all people to call all people into the waters of baptism, regardless of race, age, nation, all, all are welcome in the waters. So today, today, I want you to really think deeply about your baptism. What does your baptism mean to you today? January 7th, 2024, New Year. Think about that. I'm going to press pause right there for a minute as you're thinking if you've been baptized about that question. Think about it. If you're in the room with us and you have not been baptized, Barbara mentioned this. If you are online with us this morning and you've not been baptized or you've not had your children baptized, today, today, there's no greater day than today to begin to consider what baptism might mean for you and the commitment of baptism. So as we talk about baptism and remembering your baptism and remembering Christ's baptism, today could be the beginning of your call to the waters of baptism. I will tell you, we have pastors here on the front row, myself. We love to talk about baptism, okay? So, you know, we would love to catch you at the door. Barbara mentioned we can catch you at 2 p.m. as we gather for coffee with the pastors. If you're online, reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you. Today can begin a conversation about baptism for you and for your family. So think about it. If you've not been baptized, <coughs> excuse me, what could baptism mean for you? <coughs> Returning back, I'm sorry for my cough. Returning back to the question. <coughs> what does baptism mean? What does baptism mean? Got some water down here. I think I'm going to grab it. It's just a tickle. I'm well. Thank you, Barbara. I'm out of practice. I took a week off, and look what happens. I want to help you with this question. Does it have meaning? As you wake on any given day, does it shape and influence your life? Have you thought about it in relation to the newness of this year and the opportunity that your baptism holds for this year? As we talk about baptism in baptism, I want to pull it apart a little bit. We are called, I mentioned, we're connected to Christ's baptism. Christ was perfect. We know he was sinless, yet he entered into our human condition, into the waters of the baptism, and called us to do the same, to engage in the same life of the Spirit. 
Matthew's gospel, as I said, it, it recounts the, the voice of God saying, this is my son, the beloved one with whom I am well pleased. When we enter into this relationship with God through baptism, these words are spoken over us too. We enter into that status of becoming beloved by God, becoming a place where God's spirit is pleased to dwell within us. That's you, beloved by God, a place where God's spirit is pleased to dwell within you. This commitment, Christ, and through this commitment, Christ calls us to be a beloved member of God's family. I want to look at this a little bit just to jog your memory and get you to think a little bit deeper about your commitments in baptism. I want to talk about our Wesleyan understanding of baptism just a little bit. There have been books written about this, so don't worry. I'm not going to take a long time, but I have just five points that I want you to think about in relation to your baptism or as you think about potentially being baptized. Baptism through the lens of our Wesleyan heritage. First, First, baptism places us in a deep relationship with God's grace. God's grace. Whenever you were baptized, if you were baptized as a little baby, a comfort man, a few weeks ago, when submitting himself to our human condition in baptism, Jesus signifies that we are reliant on God's grace. Reliant on God's grace. Now, Wesley was clear to point, as many others, that no one is perfect except Jesus. No one lives a perfected life. But with baptism, through God's amazing grace, God begins to move us in a process that we call sanctification. And, and Wesley believed, John Wesley believed in our tradition that we were going on to what? Going on toward what? Oh, thank you, preacher. It's nice to have a preacher back in about the fifth row back there, a retired pastor. Yes, Larry? That we're going, let me knock myself over, that we're going on toward perfection. That through God's grace and entering into our relationship with Jesus through the waters of baptism, that we are being perfected by that grace. That we enter into an amazing stream of grace that shapes our hearts, and shapes our lives if we submit ourselves to the same grace that took Jesus into the waters of baptism. Baptism also marks us in a covenant relationship, a covenant relationship with God. John Wesley believed, as, as many do and as the tradition has followed, that that covenant relationship didn't just begin with Jesus, did it? It stretches way back to the covenant God made with Abraham. When God said Abraham would be, Abraham and his descendants would be a light to all nations, we read some of those scriptures in the Christmas season that we join all the way back to God's faithfulness to God's people over time. And that led right into the new covenant established by Jesus. This continuing stream of God's commitment to us is something that we enter into when we enter into the waters of baptism. Now, importantly, Wesley and others, I will argue this too, that baptism is our entryway into the church, into the body of Christ. So to be a believer, to be baptized, 
is to enter into the way of Christ. Whether we were a baby, whether we were a confirmand, whether we were someone who took membership vows just a few weeks ago, we are incorporated. Our liturgy often says we are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation through the waters of baptism. Think about it. We believe that our, our church exists for the transformation of the world, and it is through the waters of baptism and this covenant relationship and the stream of God's grace that we become a part of God's plan, God's mighty acts of salvation going forth in the present moment in our world. Baptism opens our hearts also to a greater influence of God's Holy Spirit. Now, in looking at the work of Wesley, we know that Wesley believed that God's Spirit and that grace was at work even in our lives before we knew that we need grace or that grace and the Holy Spirit is working. We Methodists believe that that's prevenient grace, grace that comes before we even know that we need it, right? But that grace with baptism, it's like it's blown up and amplified, almost like on the day of Pentecost. That spirit empowers us, begins to shape our hearts and our lives in the way of Jesus, in the way of God's grace through the waters of baptism, placing a claim on us. Wesley believed that the spirit was ever renewing humankind. And our connection in the ministry and the mission of our church, that we are a body of people working together to transform the world, it connects back to that theological thought of the power of the Spirit at work in individuals and in the collective body that is the church. Finally, baptism links us in an enduring relationship in the family of God. Through the covenant of baptism, through the amazing nature of God's grace, this is where we live out Romans 8, right? Where we become part of God's family. Paul writes, we are heirs with God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Wow, think about it. Heirs with Jesus, joint heirs. It doesn't say that you're a far, far off, fifth removed cousin, does it? You're a joint heir with Jesus in this faith that we are baptized into through the waters of grace by the work of the water and the spirit in your life in connection to the church. You become a part of God's family and that's an enduring relationship. That's what we celebrate that we have life eternal. It doesn't even end with our last breath. This gift this gift of being incorporated into God's family, into God's mighty acts of salvation, that's what we celebrate in our baptism. Think about it. It's powerful. Our baptism sets us on a path, empowered by the Spirit, to be world changers, to be people that can look at a situation as hard as it can be to see that there's a different way through grace and love and compassion. That's who we're wired to be through these waters that we claim in baptism. All of that, all of that is rooted right back to Jesus' baptism, back to the banks of the Jordan River, back to Jesus' baptismal day, 
And through the history, the whole history of our church, the Wesleyan tradition, the community that has been florous over time, and it streams into the present moment of your life right now, present day, January 2024. What does your baptism mean to you? What's your plans for your baptism this year? Now, I'll tell you, I'm not a huge fan of New Year's resolutions. If they work for you, then good. Um, the reason I'm not a huge fan is there's a lot being written about them now that oftentimes they bring a lot of shame and guilt, that, that we, we kind of set these high lofty goals for ourselves, and it's, it, it's, it's the first week. It's day seven in the year, and sometimes those, those have already waned by the first week, and we start feeling really guilty. And by about 30 days in, we just kind of give up. And then we have a lot of shame and guilt, and that is maybe not a good place to be. Today, you know, if a resolution works for you, pursue it. Today, I don't want you to think in terms of resolutions. I want you to think in terms of your faithfulness. Your faithfulness to God. God has made covenant with you and with us as a people. That's been affirmed in whatever way you did your baptism, if you were sprinkled over, dunked, poured over, someone held you in their arms, you kneeled as a confirmand. I want you to think as an alternative that as we stand together in the beginning of this year, that it could be, and I think it is, God's healthy plan for us to be faithful, that simple and to be whole. What we know from our scriptures is that God's mercies are new every day, new every morning. God doesn't want to wake you up and make you feel shame or guilt about something. God wants you to live into the abundance of the life that God has planned for you in being faithful, faithful to who he has called you to be through Jesus Christ. This potential, this potential is something that your pastors want to dare you with this year. Barbara mentioned the words, the big dare, and encounter Jesus. I want you to imagine with me, and, and this, this is where I ask you to think about your baptism, but I want you to imagine with me what it might look like if we all live faithfully to Christ this year, really faithfully. Encounter Jesus is something that your pastors and staff, and it emerged from conversation within community here at Flores and Restoration of what might it be if we just took a chunk of time and we directed ourselves to really being committed to the vows that we make to the church and to God. And those vows, you see them at the bottom. I'm going to pour them apart for you a little bit. Worship, grow, serve, share, and give. What would it look like if we leaned, if we dared to lean in to those areas of our life and that we sought to encounter Jesus in a deeper way this year together? And not just that, that we encounter Jesus in a way that people encounter Jesus in a deeper way through us. That's what we mean through encounter Jesus. Now, you were given a card, some of you were given a card, I heard that we were running low on them, um, that looks something like this. 
And I'm going to ask that we bring that card up on the screen as well. So if you didn't get this, you can take a picture of it. Or even better, you can go to the website called thebigdare.org. We'll have some more of these. These are going to be useful to us from now to Easter time. If you go to thebigdare.org, you can begin to look at that now if you want. There's going to be already quite a ton of resources if you click Flores on that page. And there's a video that will introduce what the Big Dare and Encounter Jesus is all about. Now, I said making a commitment for the whole year, but you'll see on this card that it says through Easter Sunday. You know why that is? Because we could hear you thinking in advance. If we said that we were going to live and do something together for a whole year, we could hear you saying, that's a really long time. A year is a really long time, Pastor. So what we're doing with this is that we've chunked up the year into four parts. And your first part is in process. Beginning today, as you come for communion and you, we're going to renew our vows made at baptism, we're going to move all the way to the celebration of Easter Sunday together, deepening in our commitment to the commitments that we make in membership and in baptism to the church. And that's what's on this card. And so I want to spend just a little space here to talk about this. And then I want to direct you to that web page because it's going to be changing over the course of this first 90-day segment, the first dare. You see, you see, let's keep the card up there. Oh, yeah, and they said big, thebigdare.org. You can take a picture of that. It's easy to remember. And it doesn't have to be case-sensitive either. If you go on there, there's also a place where you can register to text. If you text DARE, I think I wrote this down somewhere. Let me see. If you text DARE to, oh goodness, here it is. Text DARE to 29456, you'll also get updates from that page. It's going to be dynamic and we're going to be providing resources for you throughout the year. Let's switch back to this card on screen. So five commitments. Living deep deeper in the way of Christ leaning in. This is how we're going to start from here to Easter. We want to dare you to do this, to live into your worship life more faithfully. What does that look like? To be in worship weekly, in person or online. Okay, I can tell you for some of you, that's going to be a leap. Because some of you, as we look at data, you're only here every four to six weeks, pressing to say part of being faithful to God is being steeped in the beauty of community. So trying to seek out worship on a weekly basis. You'll also see in there part of our worship life and part of drawing closer to God is to be a people of prayer and a person of prayer. And so a goal from now to Easter that we're calling you toward is to pray five times a day. I can hear you thinking on that one too. Five times. That's a lot, Pastor. There's some resources at thebigdare.org that can give you some suggestions about that. Let me give you just some quick about how you can think about this, and then you can take it deeper as you move along. What if you said a prayer with your waking moment in the morning? Clock goes off, that point, it might be with your first cup of coffee, whenever you get consciousness, right? You say a prayer there. God, thank you for this day for giving me life today and help me through my day that I might please you. Remember, God's spirit is pleased to dwell in us. God calls us beloved. 
Help me work as your beloved daughter, your beloved son in the world today. Could be that simple. Then with your breakfast, if you're a breakfast person, then say a prayer of thankfulness for your meal and perhaps how that meal might nurture you throughout the day to be faithful to God and to Christ. That's two. Move into your lunchtime meal. You know what I'm going to say. You're eating your sandwich at your cubicle or at your home in the corner, however you do that, taking a walk, whatever, your lunch, whatever you do. Another prayer. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this break in the day, this time to nourish myself. Help me to move through faith. And I see, God, where you're already at work in this day. To the next meal, your evening meal. Again, thankful for how God is sustaining you and nurturing you with the food around you. And how might you use your strength to be faithful to God for the rest of the day? And then as you close for the night, you're going to bed, you're brushing your teeth. Maybe you're on your knees by your bedside or you're covered up in your snuggly blanket. And you say, thank you, God, for today. Thank you. I have seen your grace at work today in these ways. And I just want to pray that you will use me tomorrow to live deeper into that grace. Five times a day doesn't sound so hard when you look at it that way, right? And it can be deeper. We give you some prayers on this page, some suggestions. Look at grow. Join a life group. Some of you have told me, like, I'm thinking about joining a Bible study this year. Join a life group or a Bible study. And then read the Bible five days a week. I can hear you there, too. That's a lot. That's a lot of Bible. I'm lucky to get in there one time a week, Pastor. Uh, what we've done for you at thebigdare.org, that research page, is we've taken the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to encourage you to, to Easter time to be reading the life of Jesus through the Gospel of Matthew. And we have a wonderful reading plan for you that just lays it out for you right there. Uh, Reverend Daniel Park put that together for us. It's really good. It'll help you. It'll serve as a resource to read and to be in the Scripture and to be reflecting on the life of Jesus. Serve. Now, what is really cool is that through our serve team and this moment in time as we get started, we have all those MLK serve opportunities. For in the spirit of Dr. King and justice and service and a national day of call to service, we have a span of service opportunities already planned out for you to begin the year. You can pick for them. I mean, there's stuff of all ages. And with Share too, you can invite someone to do some of those things with you. So you can knock out too. It says, serve five times, volunteer five times by Easter. You can do some of that in this week coming up if you engage in those MLK opportunities. You also can knock out the sharing by inviting people to florist restoration activities. It also says, join one of our ministry teams and serve through the church. Sharing, one of the things is to get comfortable is to talk about what Jesus means to you and to work on that, to, to maybe begin that, which is conversation, is to begin to like speak what your faith means. That's another way to share your faith. And then giving, giving generously, giving generously. If you're not a tither, if you think you need to make some steps up in giving regularly to the church, then begin to do that. Five random acts of kindness. We give some guidance on thebigdare.org about how you can think of just leaving, living into the kindness and compassion of Jesus this year and to see what difference that can make. Now, I can also hear some of you also thinking, you're kind of a different group. You're thinking, I'm already there, preacher. 
I already got these five. Like, like I'm already in a, in a Bible study and I'm inviting people. And if you are already there with these goals, then I'm going to say, take it deeper. One of the things that you all told me as a church, as I came here as your new lead pastor, is you said, challenge us. This is a dare. This is a dare to encounter Jesus more deeply. This is a dare that people may be able to encounter Jesus more deeply through you. So if you're already at one of the goal marks on this list, then take it a little bit deeper. Or come talk to me or one of the other pastors. We'll help you structure some way that you can go a little bit deeper. If you're already in that great Bible study and you've been in there for 10 years and it's wonderful, maybe you want to pick up something else. Or maybe you really want to spend some deeper time in the Gospel of Matthew in a different way that will speak to your heart and help shape you and lead you to deeper faithfulness in this year. Encounter Jesus, the big dare. So we'll pull that down. These are going to be available all, all the way up to Easter. And that resource page is going to be there. And if you text that, that dare to that number, 29456, text dare to 29456, then you're going to get updates on the big dare as we move forward. I want you not to be overwhelmed. A year is a long time. To Easter, it seems like a long time because we just got out of Christmas. I want you to bring it back to our scripture for today. Because the reality is we have a Savior whose name is Jesus. And Jesus entered into the waters of baptism at the Jordan River to join with your life, your life, and with my life to help us be claimed as family and to help us join together, join together as a people of God to make a difference in this world for the sake of God, for the sake of Jesus. To not accept pain and suffering and hopelessness, but to be a people who joins together to say we can make a difference. Can you imagine, again, imagining the power of our difference together this year, if we all lean into these five areas together. How might not only Flores restoration be different, but how might the world be different? As we step it up, as we lean in, as we accept the challenge, as we're dared to live like Jesus. I hope you'll join this dare with me. Thanks be to God. Amen.